Welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities and the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you are a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, Joan Collins. And me, David Meisegeier. So Joan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, except I'll tell you, I've I've experienced many hot summers here in uh, Scottsdale, but this summer has really has really hit us hard. We we had a 31 day streak of a, over 110 degrees. Oh my so goodness! That's yeah, that's and that's it's been tough. It's been tough for communities and um and just kind of makes it you know tough to get out. I can only imagine and it really challenges the, the the thinking for people that are on the lower income side of things who don't have access to air conditioning and you know federal government provides some resources for heating assistance but i've been reading a lot in the news recently about a uh, focus of trying to expand that to cooling resources and and i think as we see the world warming up that that's a reality. You're living it. it. It absolutely is. And I will say that the utilities here that serve the Phoenix um, kind of metropolitan and greater areas really do a good job of of finding ways um, and resources to help customers. But um, yeah, I've really been worried this summer uh, about this. But anyway, uh, it's it's made for an interesting summer all around. Yeah. So looking forward to fall. <laughs> yes. Well, we are so fortunate today to have two guests. Our first is Dave Roberts. He manages the Residential Buildings Research Group for NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, where he leads a group of engineers and scientists leveraging computer modeling, lab experimentation, and field validation to develop innovations that further residential building energy efficiency, and he has been with NREL for 15 years. So welcome, Dave. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Dave, it's so great to have you on, and you're joined by Kevin Duffy from ICF. Kevin, we're so excited to have you back to the podcast. You were our first guest speaking about our pilot incubator and how to fail fast which is something that I've carried with me uh, through the last year <laughs> um, and tried to implement in several areas. Um, Kevin Duffy leads ICF's innovation pilots team, pushing the boundaries on pilot programs, paving the way for utilities of the future. And what better guest to have on with uh, Dave Roberts uh, than, than Kevin. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And if you are at all familiar with the Saturday Night Live Five Timers Club, I'm just going to proclaim right now that I think I'm setting the pace to be the uh, the first Energy in 30 Five Timers Club member. So I love it. You absolutely are. Does that mean we can make this one funny? <laughs> I'm all about humor. So awesome. Well, why don't we kick things off with Dave? telling us a little bit about what you and your team do at NREL. Yeah, so um, NREL is the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. 
It's uh, one of 17 Department of Energy National Laboratories. And it's the only one that's focused exclusively on energy efficiency and renewable energy. It's, it's owned by the Energy Efficiency Renewable Energy Office at, at DOE. It's the only one. Um, and traditionally, the lab's been focused quite a bit on <clears throat> solar and, and wind, you know, kind of the supply technologies, you know, all the way from making solar cells better to making wind turbines better. And more recently, you know, how do those play uh, in our energy systems at, at scale? And uh, kind of on the flip side, uh, being in the buildings uh, area at the lab, it's always kind of been uh, one of the smaller programs, uh, not really the focus until recently. So at this kind of later stage of my career, it's been really interesting to see how buildings have come to be a very important part of uh, making our, our grid uh, cleaner, right? So we're installing more variable renewables like wind and solar. And buildings use 70, about 75% of the electricity that the grid produces. And so everybody's starting to pay a lot more attention to buildings, which is, um, and on the flip side, us building researchers paying a lot more attention to the grid. And so this buildings to grid interface has really been um, kind of the key focus for us for over five years, I would say, and increasingly so as we're trying to decarbonize uh, both the building stock and the grid. So our group, Residential Buildings Research, um, I think the title tells we focus on residential buildings and everything from kind of applied research at the component level, think heat pumps, water heaters, controls, um, all the way up to communities um, and even modeling the entire housing stock of, of the country and looking at uh, different scenarios for um, decarbonizing the housing stock. And uh, and then we also are very active on the deployment side. So uh, helping the Department of Energy uh, get some prizes on the street for energy efficiency innovations. We uh, also helping with uh, a program called Building America that's getting rebooted uh, and with a focus on retrofit. So industry teams are going to be um, spanning out across the country and looking for opportunities to do applied research and, and uh, deployment and uh, working with communities. And then we also, there's quite a bit of technical assistance um, that's being made available to communities at this point that are working on their decarbonization plans, uh, either uh, planning them out, just getting started or in the implementation phase and trying to figure out the best path forward. And so we have researchers that are using uh, modeling and other resources to help those communities. Wow, that's that's quite a spread of activities and, and, and very impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, there's quite a bit of emphasis, em emphasis on deployment right now, I think. Um, you probably heard the Secretary of Energy, Secretary Granholm, say deploy, deploy, deploy. And that's kind of her mantra at the moment. So it's it's interesting to 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 see that ramping up and trying to help with that is you know bringing best practices and 
you know, technical resources to to that effort. Uh, but at the same time, keeping the research going and, and looking for new technologies, new solutions, and uh, to get to, to support all that. And Kevin, you were recently out there, right? Yeah, that's right, Joan. In fact, we we had se uh, several of our utility clients with us, and you know, to your point, Dave, and all that work you're doing. It was really a great shot in the arm for all of us just to see how much is going on and connecting the dots between NREL and utilities and, and using all of the latest and greatest technologies and all of the, the delivery strategies. And, um, you know, it, it's it's exciting to see what's coming down the pike and uh, really looking forward to, to working more with NREL on a lot of these great projects. So, Dave, you and I go back decades um yes we were we were probably uh some of the first attendees at the initial resnet conferences uh back in the day and i know we had our share of of doing a lot of energy modeling initially do2 then energy plus when you were talking about the impact of buildings on on the grid that immediately brought to mind grid interactive efficient buildings. Could you talk a little bit about what you and your team are doing around that and how modeling may play in in that role? Yeah, certainly load flexibility is of great interest now. And um, <clears throat> so a couple of things we've done, we uh, developed a home energy management system called 4C, which won an R&D 100 award a couple of years ago. And uh, 4C kind of combines occupant um, preferences. So you can, it's kind of a set it and forget it approach where an, a homeowner or occupant of a, of a building can uh, say, you know, how, how, how much they want to be influenced by or how much they want to respond to, say, energy costs, if you're like on a time use rate, or if you want to be responsive to carbon signals, what the utility, what the carbon intensity of your utility is at any given moment. And then it uses machine learning and artificial intelligence and information about weather and what it's learned about the building to make decisions and tries to optimize across your solar system, your batteries, your space heating system, and your water heating system to deliver the comfort that you want um, and responding to those uh, carbon and cost signals uh, to the extent that you want to. So it's, it's um, so that, that's one, one way we're looking at flexibility. Also been looking at things like um, uh, storage and control of hot water systems. Um, you can store energy in a hot water tank and, and uh, keep, keep it from, coming on during like a heat pump water heater, electric water heat, keep it from coming on during peak periods. Uh, you yep. can pre-cool, preheat space. Um, so controlling for all for all of that. Also looking at things like um, phase change materials and building components, uh, either in walls or even embedded in, in the HVAC system to give you some storage that you can utilize to avoid peak and flex your loads. Hmm. That's pretty wild. Is that like 
close to to, to real-time use, or is it still being experimented around? Um, I'm not aware of any commercial products out there yet. We're working with some startup companies, uh, particularly in the embedding or uh, integrating the phase change materials with HVAC equipment. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe they have anything on the market at this point. Be definitely so, something I want to watch for. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it, that's a great point, David. And and you know, when I think about all the stuff coming, I feel like the one you know the 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 one reason why it's um it's going to be viable is because the the whole equation is kind of, or I should say, maybe the value proposition of 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 transforming the market has really um, evolved where, you know, you know, 15 years ago, we were just considering the small amount of technology that was, that was available at the time and then cost effectiveness applied on top of that. But now we're looking at so many more components of that. And, and Dave, when we visited, I think you really summed it up best when you shared that value proposition evolving to now considering controls and thermal storage, HVAC, the envelope, um, battery storage, and then in the nucleus of all of that being not just cost effectiveness, but also equity and carbon reduction, you know, so that really kind of opens up uh, the amount of the the amount of paths that we can take um, to making this all happen. Yeah, it's really interesting to to focus on wind energy is used for a long time. It was all about the total annual energy use in a year. So even going back, David, you were mentioning ResNet and the home energy rating system. It was, it is all based on annual energy use. And so yeah. anything where you might store energy and use it at a different time is getting no value in the market. And more recently, we've developed. Uh, I'm still active on, on ResNet committees, and we've developed the CO2e index. Um, which is a carbon index. So that now gives you credit for any kind of technology that would reduce the carbon impact in the home. That's awesome. I am <laughs> so glad to hear that. And and with the energy management stuff, uh, I was involved with NREL a little over a decade ago around some of the smart grid activities and as AMI is being deployed, I'm I'm curious your your take on that. Do you feel like those deployments now are you know, really be the investments are are gaining a return as some of these new initiatives start to take hold. Yeah, well, we're seeing, I, I feel like we're seeing time of use rates, you know, slowly work their way into mm-hmm. the residential market. They, you know, traditionally they were available, but not widely used. And I know here in um, Colorado, Excel Energy um, put in AMI meters and then moved us on to a time of use rate. And that got my attention and my air conditioner, you know, I pre-cooled the house, the air conditioner is off during their four-hour peak period and I coast through it. Um, so I think these time of use rates will uh, certainly, uh, you know, help bring things to market, right? The technologies that uh, can help homeowners respond. I don't want to pick on on any one utility in in particular, but I'm curious from a personal perspective, did Excel do anything to 
kind of like educate you as as a customer here are some strategies you could do to both make sure you can lower your bills and maintain your comfort with the new time of use rates they definitely sent quite a bit of stuff in the mail uh, you know pre previous to the to the time of use taking effect and um, yeah, with some strategies, you know, don't run this, don't run your dryer, don't run your dishwasher uh, during the peak periods. I don't recall them talking too much about pre-cooling and, and, and coasting. I think they talk about, you know, basically t keeping your set point temperature higher during the period. Yep. Interesting. Oh. It really is. I, I think Arizona sets a standard for that. We've been we've had time of use rates for years and I can tell you I'm I am like I adhere. <laughs> it makes such a big difference. But can I I have a question for for uh, both of our guests uh, and that's why is a lab or this approach and Kevin you as well in terms of incubator and pilots. Why is this so important to the industry? Well, it's hard for, I think it's hard for industry to undertake fundamental uh, research, uh, applied research um, in a lot of cases. And so the support from the Department of Energy, um, you know, to allow us to do this kind of research in the laboratory setting, it has a lot of value. We are at, at NREL, and DOE broadly, but at NREL, uh, very interested in getting technology out of the lab and into the hands of, of the industry and also helping industry and incubators uh, bridge the valley of death, right? So we kind of play two roles there. One can be helping a new startup that has their own innovation, uh, you know, prove out that innovation, mature that innovation, and get more traction toward putting it in the market and getting across that valley. And, and, and vice versa, if we have technology, we're constantly looking for partners to take that on, license it, and take it to market. Yeah, I agree. It's a great point, Dave. And, you know, I, I, I tend to, you know, when I think about this type of thing, I, I try to look at it from just a typical energy user's or customer's perspective. And, you know, the incentive is there with a time of use uh, rate. And, but but at the same time, not everyone is is an energy nerd like we are, right? So we think about how we can reduce that load during those peak hours. Uh, but I think for the average customer, these technologies are going to allow them to do it without even thinking about it. And that to me is really exciting because I, you know, I I don't have a, a completely intelligent home at this point. And you know, when I think about what I would need in order to kind of automate the system and make it as simple as possible for the end user. Um, we, we need to make sure that we're combining all these technologies together uh, to, to give them the power to, to, to do those things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, we don't want to get a message on our phone that we have to do something. We'd rather be autonomous, right? And respond to signals without our, our intervention minute to minute. Um, one, one concern I have about some of this automation and, you know, responding to price signals is, is the question of equity that, uh, you know, we want solutions that are for everybody. And that's not just people that have enough money to, you know, put these systems in to respond to time of use and keep their costs down and leaving others behind 
So I'm very cognizant of that at the laboratory. Excellent point. What opportunities do you see, Dave, for utilities to collaborate with NREL? Yeah, we work with quite a few utilities at the laboratory, quite a bit on the on the supply side, but uh, also increasingly on the demand side as buildings are you know, being recognized as a big part of the solution. So, for example, we did a project with the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, LADWP, the largest municipal utility in the, in the country, and they wanted a plan to get to 100% renewable energy by 2045. And so we ended up modeling all the buildings in their territory um, and their their entire energy grid, wow. and and looked at solutions from every perspective, different scenarios from energy efficiency and demand response to uh, higher penetrations of renewable on their grid, distributed energy resources across their distribution system to you know larger transmission lines out to the desert for you know more solar. So we looked at quite a bit of scenarios and and, and provide those to the uh, to the utility for their planning purposes. What a resource! Oh, no question about it, Joan. And you know, uh, with with ICF, we're working with utility clients to determine ways that we can work more closely with NREL because. Um, you know, you've you've probably heard me talk about connected communities, or or sometimes referred to as high performance communities, high performance sustainable communities, and we're working currently with a, a Midwest utility in in doing just this. And so they the, the utility is is viewing it as a way to partner with municipalities and developers and contractors, and really um, you know provide that white glove treatment for making sure that communities are being built with all of the stuff that we're talking about in mind. And NREL literally wrote the book on high performance districts and communities. Um, and it's available online, in fact. And, you know, we're we're actively identifying ways that, that we can work with NREL in making sure that, um, you know, our utility clients are, uh, are uh, you know, providing the the grid as a service and really partnering with with municipalities and developers and in creating these uh, high performance districts and communities. So, a question for anybody: um, going back to Dave's concern around equity and ensuring that low income and disadvantaged communities also have access to all of this great stuff that we've been talking about wi-fi is historically been limited with low-income communities and yet a lot of the technologies that we've been talking about require that to be controlled so how do you solve for that any has there been any any solutions or any thoughts about how to address that we have a number of yeah we have a number of of utility client clients that have, have been actively looking into this uh one of which being uh public service of oklahoma who actually jeff brown was a, a guest on your show earlier this year and and you guys did discuss equity and i have to say you know this is this is um front and center for many of our utility clients so we're doing 
doing research behind the scenes to make sure that we're targeting some of these harder to reach customers and, and figuring out a way to leverage some of the federal funding and and some of the 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 other uh, you know impetus to, to get to get these programs and offerings to harder to reach and, and lower income communities. Um, I think that you know the wave is building, and uh, and and you know due to the the um, the utilities desire as well as uh, the the legislation that's recently be passed in in IJA and, and IRA, you know we're we're seeing uh, that wave growing. I I totally forgot about the broadband access funding that that's available. That's a good point. And David, and a little more broadly, I think. To talk to equity a little more broadly, when we finished up the LADWP 100 study, um, the city council came back and asked for us to do another round with a lot more focus on equity. And so that that project is just now wrapping up. But looking at things like, you know, rate structures that would, um, you know, help. Uh, underserved communities looking at cooling, adding cooling to making sure they're getting a benefit from cooling in underserved communities. So they 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 came back and it's the project I think was actually called LA LA 100 equity. Huh. So kind of doubling down on that in the second phase. Awesome. Oh, wonderful. Well, David, as predicted, this could go on <laughs> I know, right? for a while, but I do you think I have time to sneak in our last question? I think you do. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So I'd like to ask you both and um, Dave, let's start with you again. If you could do one thing to change the industry, no limits, what would you do? I would like to see energy built into our home, our home mortgage system. So instead of you know, we're all familiar with PI, TI, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, adding E into that equation. So anytime you're sitting down looking at the purchase of a home, anytime a lender is looking at uh, qualifying for a home, energy is squarely in the discussion and equation. And I don't, I think it would be a very simple change that would have tremendous impact and add incredible value to energy efficiency in our country. Yeah, Dave, I, I I completely agree with that. And actually, my answer is very similar, except rather than taking the 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 perspective uh, from the mortgage industry, I kind of I'd look at you know the 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 um, state regulations and the state regulators. I, I think the majority of our clients are are becoming more and more progressive and establishing decarbonization goals in in line with many of the municipalities. Uh, throughout states within their service territory. And it seems that um, not being able to, you know, uh, bundle offerings because, you know, budgets are coming from different uh, different organizations within within the utility um, has has presented a challenge. And if we could really allow utilities to take a more holistic approach to uh, making sure that, we're leveraging all the technologies and all the delivery strategies together uh, to make a more cohesive uh, ecosystem. I think we'd all be a lot better off. Very true for both of you guys. I really have loved this conversation and we 
we covered a lot of ground, right? From uh, deployment focus and and some of the grid interactive efficient building uh, work that you're doing, Dave, at NREL, including 4C. New stuff coming down the road, phase change materials, fascinating. Some of the sustainable community stuff that Kevin's doing, Tommy use rates, equity. Um, and just wrapping it up with the focus of of energy in everyday life, uh, especially when it comes to the cost of of living um, and hopefully home ownership. So fascinating conversation, and thank you both for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, thanks, David and Joan. And Dave, you haven't heard the last of me. I can't wait to work with you. It's it's, it's really been a pleasure so far, and I really look forward to the future. Really appreciate you both being on. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, we sure would appreciate you liking, sharing, and even subscribing to our podcast. And you might also be interested in tuning into our next episode, where we will be talking with the co-authors of the Decarbonization Imperative, transforming the global economy of 2050. Have a great day all and catch you on our next Energy in 30.